Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Crossed Up. I'm Bob Wankel. Anthony Sanfilippo is here as well. Phillies Anthony win two of three over the weekend against the St. Louis Cardinals. Had an opportunity to complete the sweep, but uh, things fell apart late in the game yesterday. I don't know about you, but overall, I kind of look at it and say, pretty pretty good weekend. I, I think anytime you can win a, a series on the road this time of year, uh, you, you sign up for that. And in light of what's happening in the rest of the National League wildcard picture, which we'll get to in a moment, uh, I think you you probably feel a little bit better about the Phillies this morning than uh, you might have after that Brave series. Maybe not you personally, because you felt pretty good about them all along. But uh, I would say most people are probably feeling a little bit better right now. I mean, yeah. I mean, I you know, it's it's funny because we come into this, Bob, coming off of. And first of all, it's good to have you back after <laughs> after we had to have Anthony fill in for you on Friday. Um, but uh, it's good to have you back. But um. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I got a little. Maybe I, I'm kind of the other way, other way around a little bit because I, yesterday was a, a chance for you to really kind of put yourself in a great spot going into this week, right? I mean, I look at it and say that the, I mean, the magic number is technically nine, which if you're looking at the way that the the season's going to go, you're probably five wins away from locking this up, right? Five wins is probably what you need. And I thought there was an easy one on the table yesterday that you let get away. You, you want to do this next weekend. You know, you have the, the Mets in town. It would be great to just lock it up then. And then you get everything set that final week. Who needs breaks? Who needs to get the, get the rotation the way you want it? Get your reliever set up the way you want it. And let the rest of the wild card race play out. So I was a little, I was a little disappointed with, with the way it ended in St. Louis, in all honesty. Um yeah, I'm, I know you're getting greedy. You want to sweep, but I think if you look at it from game to game, the loss yesterday bothered me a little bit. Well, I'm I'm with you in that you, you lose two out of three to the Marlins last weekend. You lose three out of four to the Braves, and if you sweep that that Cardinals series, it sort of undoes a little bit of that damage. Yeah. We say, okay, that that was a reasonably difficult ten game stretch. You end up going five and five on it. And as you said, it puts you into a really good spot here as you proceed over the final two weeks. And instead, they they do what they always do, which is they struggle with prosperity. Like, it, it can never just be, let's make this simple, let's make it easy. And I, I guess if you dive into the series um, game by game, you know, there's obviously some some good things that happened. And then there's some things that that are massive red flags. And, and they're the same red flags that we've been talking about now for a while you know, in the newsletter. And and why don't we do all the plugs at the beginning of the show for the first time in five years? So you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Philly. You follow me at Bob underscore Wankel. You can subscribe to the Red October newsletter at redoctoberphilly.com. And listen, like, I, I just wrote this. Like, 
Aaron Nola was not good on Friday night. He again failed to complete five innings. I know that there were some infield singles, some bad defense mixed in, which, by the way, he participated in. Mm -hmm. He made his life harder. So, again, it's another start that you walk away from of, of Aaron Knowles where you say, I have no idea what to expect from this guy next month. It's not good right now. And then it's bookended by yet another back-breaking home run late in the game from Sir Anthony Dominguez. And it's the third time in five, in five appearances from him in which he's given up a home run late in the game that's either tied things up or given the other team the lead. And it just continues to be the same storylines that you're concerned about. JT Real Muto is another one where – you say, okay, here's a guy that was 0 for 8 in the final two games of the series this weekend. He's 4 for 32 over his last eight games. Uh, he's hitting 125. He doesn't have a, an extra base hit since uh, September 6th. Like, it, it's it's the same talking points again and again. And I think I've, I've reached a point, forget the standings for a moment, forget the fact that they won two out of three. I'm almost just at an acceptance phase with some of these guys saying, I know baseball's weird. I know all, all it takes is one game, one swing, one series, and it changes everything. But there's just such a sample size that has built up here over the past few months that I'm like, this is what these guys are. Yeah, and and that's okay, Bob. And and here's where I'll I'll skew back the other way a little bit. In that, you know, if you remember last year, there were guys who were kind of along this same path. Sure, wasn't wasn't the weren't wasn't these guys, but it were, there were guys who were on this path who we were kind of accepting of. I mean, Nick Castellanos for last year was we knew he was going to be in the lineup. We knew he was struggling mightily at the plate at this point last year, and it was just like, well, we're just going to have him there, and you know, hopefully he can do something. He yeah, hopefully really he can hit around him. I mean, that's what I'm saying yeah. about JT Real Muto right now. Yeah. Hopefully you can just hit around JT Real Muto. There's enough there that maybe you can just carry him through it. Yeah, you know, and 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 you know, you never know. Maybe he, maybe you have that Reese Hoskins kind of playoff series, right? Like they have against the Braves, and you kind of jumpstart yourself and get going in the right direction. Um, so, so yeah, those things you, you got to accept the fact that these guys are what they are right now. The, the thing that bothered me the most about the Nola start, look, look, you know what the reactions are with with Nola. Everything, it's just visceral. I mean. Dude lets up one run and 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 the entire city explodes that he sucks, right? I mean, I mean, literally, that's what it is with him. Um, but the thing that bothered me, if you really want to look at it from a from a from a deeper perspective, what bothered me about his start is you could tell that they were going for something different. They were trying to do something different with him, and in a sense, he was successful in doing what they wanted to do. He kept a lot of pitches down. Everything was down, 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 down. He. The seven hits he gave up were all singles. Three of them were infield hits. You mentioned this. There was bad defense. Of course, he had the throwing error as well. And one hit pops out of uh, Rojas's glove when he hits the ground on that nice uh, diving effort. But they nobody. There was no hard hit balls. Okay. But what there also wasn't was swing and miss. So Nonsense. he was he was so concentrated on putting the ball in a certain location and preventing the big hits, the home runs, and the you know driving the ball out to the wall that he also wasn't getting anybody swinging and missing at pitches. And so, therefore, he's getting a, a ton of foul balls. He's throwing a lot of balls. Once he gets, he gets like an 0-2 count, all of a sudden it's full count because he's getting, he's nibbling, trying not to throw a ball over the middle of the plate. Somebody's going to drive on him. And that runs the pitch count up. And that's why he's getting pulled after four and four and two-thirds innings because in, a, in previous Aaron Nola starts, if he was throwing like he could throw, and gave up seven singles in a game. He's going seven innings, Bob. 
right? I mean, you're giving up seven singles. He's going longer. But the fact is, is that what he's doing. So even the adjustment that was made is, and they executed didn't help. And so that's where the concern for me lies because it becomes something completely different with him. I think it's a great point. The other thing that you look at, and this has happened to him a number of times this season, is that he staked to this big multi-run lead early. Yeah. And you know, we always say, well, when you, it allows you to take a little bit of the pressure off. You don't have to be so fine. You can just go out there and, and throw the baseball, pitch to contact to a degree, um, gobble up some innings. And so it's almost like he – I'll give him some credit for – I think it was the third inning of that game. The Cardinals started to put on a little bit yeah. of heat. I believe that he ended up getting a double play to end the inning and only allowed two runs two. in, in the third. So yeah. it didn't become four or five. It wasn't a tied game immediately. Like he was able to stop it, but then he comes back out and he's just never able to regain any rhythm. He doesn't get back into that rhythm. And that's something that we'd seen from him earlier in the year where he's, he's good out of the gate stumbles and then regains it. And, and like lately he has not been able to get back on track after the stumble. So it's just a situation where you say, again, a big lead early on. He doesn't pitch deep into the game. He's Now he's not getting swing and miss. It's another start where he just is is really leaving you with, with a lot of questions about, about, about what's going on right now. And you look at his three starts this month. I mean, opponents are hitting 355 against him with a 969 OPS. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I looked at the numbers earlier. I'm pretty sure that he's allowed 22 hits in 13 and two-thirds innings this month. And so it's not a thing anymore where you look at the secondary numbers, the peripherals, the batting average against the whip, and say, wow, like a lot of this stuff, it, it's still really strong, and it's just the ERA and the home runs. Right now, it sort of feels like it's all of it for him. And um, you, you were hoping by the time mid-September came around, given his underperformance, that he would regress to the the norm, you know, that positive regression. And it's just not happening, and it's it just seems to be getting worse, quite frankly. Yeah, it is. And and I think with, if here's the other thing I wanted to talk about with this. Um, so, you know, with, they, with them switching back to the five-man rotation, right? Um, they've they've now gotten it to a point where uh, he is pitching against Atlanta. We last time we had talked about this, he wasn't going to pitch against Atlanta, but now he is. Um, so he's going to throw Wednesday. But I think that that's a that's a telling thing too, because I think Bob, this is this is his Waterloo. This is you got to pitch well in this game or else. And here's what I'll tell you why I say that. Um, because if they're in that five man rotation, you go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday against the Mets. He's not pitching in any of those games. Okay, against the Mets because he's pitching Wednesday. So there is four days off. Then there's an off day Monday. Then you come back for the three games against the Pirates. If he pitches poorly, you could skip his start because of the off day. You could go right past him and go right back to just go, you know what? He's our think of him, think of him as a five number five starter in that in that regard, right? Just just in the sense, not saying that he's a five, number five starter, but think of him like you utilize a number five starter when there's off days. You don't always need the guy. You can technically skip his start and go with the other four pitchers. Not to say that there's a lot of confidence in Taiwan Walker, for example, at this point. Um, but if you wanted to, you could skip Aaron Nola if he doesn't have a good performance against the Braves. Let me ask you two different things. One, he gets the ball Wednesday against the Braves. 
the upside here, I, I think he almost has to pitch against the Braves. I know it just works out this way now that they've, mm-hmm. they've gone to the five-man, but to me, it's the only thing that they have left in their back pocket in terms of what could mentally set him straight. And I'm not attributing his struggles to the mental component of the game. I think at points this season, there's probably been some of that. But this looks a lot more physical than it does mental to me. So I'm not saying that if they can just get him, if they can just get his mind right, he's going to be okay. I don't really know that to be true. And and I think that's probably an oversimplification of what's going on with him. But I do look at it and say his confidence has to be quite shaken at this point. He's never struggled to this extent for this amount of time ever in his, his amateur or professional baseball career. So the upside here against the Braves is he goes out and pitches a really good game against a good offense. And maybe he's able to take something from that and kind of flip it moving forward and say, all right, like this, this is going to give me at least something that I can rely on, something that I can lean on, get a little bit of that confidence back. At the same time, I know that we, we kind of talked about this in, in May and, and June, and I guess even as recently as maybe the beginning of August. And it, it was an absurd conversation. We, we knew the answer to it, even though it was a talking point something that's getting talked about on, on WIP right now. Is there any world still now knowing everything we know, is there still a world or no world I should say in which they just say, we, we cannot start him in a playoff series. Like he goes out and he's terrible on Wednesday. He goes out. What will we have after that? Two more starts. So it, it, like in theory, May, no, maybe. Maybe, yeah. I mean, if they stay on, if they stay on path with the five, I mean, with the off day throws a, a monkey wrench into things because you don't know what they do with it, right? But if they don't change anything and just stay with this five man rotation to round out the season, he would pitch Wednesday against Atlanta, the start of the Pittsburgh series, which would be Tuesday the twenty sixth, and then he would be on in line to pitch the last game of the season on October Sunday, October first in New York. There was this thing for so long that it was like either you didn't know baseball because you couldn't appreciate the beauty of Aaron Nola's game. Remember, we talked to Garrett Stubbs this summer and he said, Aaron's my favorite pitcher to, mm-hmm. to catch because of the way that he mixes his pitches and he he doesn't just rely on velocity. He's, he's, it's really fun to catch him when he's on. So like we understand all of that. And if you look at the historical numbers, he's one of the better pitchers in baseball. Like all that's great. That's all fine and well. But we certainly reached a point where I think even the, the staunch Aaron Nola defenders are saying, well, what he's giving the Phillies right now is, is nowhere near good enough. It's, it's a huge problem. So let's just revisit this question one more time. He has an eight, an ERA over eight this month. If he can't get past the fifth inning in any of his remaining starts, opponents are still hitting somewhere in the mid three hundreds against him. He's given up four or five earned runs every start. It's just disaster and blow up and disaster and blow up. Is there any path, any situation where they just say, "We're, you know what, we just can't." We well, just I think it, it's a great question, Bob, to ask now. But I still say he's in the rotation, and I think that that the, that they're going to stick with that unless he absolutely, like you just said, he completely blows up. Over do the do you think? Time. Okay, so so I have a, a a part B to that because because I agree with you. Like, and you're probably listening to this and saying, like, how could they? How could they? say that he's going to start a playoff game. You cannot start him. Um, I get it. Like I, I do. I'm I'm not 
I don't want, if you're listening to this podcast, I don't want you to think that I don't understand your frustration. I feel like Xfinity customer service right now. Like I understand your frustration, sir, yeah. but this is, this is what you're going to get. Um, I just don't see a world where the Phillies uh, opt to, to, to not utilize him. Um, but my, my question would be then, how do you utilize him? Do you pitch him? If you can line everything up the way that you want to, do you say, you know what? Wheeler game one. Let's let's see if we can win a series without having to use Aaron Nola and, and maybe wait till a game three to use him. I mean, you could. You could go Suarez too. I mean, again, the way that they have the, the off day set up, you could you could flip that on that Monday, you could flip Suarez to put ahead of put him ahead of Nola. And then Nola could go to the third spot, right? And then and then that would just be the setup. That said, I'm not certain that are you more comfortable with Aaron Nola being in line as your game three starter in the in the wild card round in a winner go home game. So it's it's to me, it's almost it's it's damned if you do, damned if you don't, where you put him into the into the slotting, right? If you you I don't think that there's a guaranteed spot where you say, Oh yeah, this is the best case scenario you know for him i think what it simply is is that you leave him where he's at and you just have sanchez ready to come in early it's a short hook for nola if he's on fine leave him in as soon as that as soon as the first signs of cracking in that that inning that he's having that's melting down or whatever you get him out even if he's only even if he's short pitches whatever first signs of don't don't try and let him find his way through you get him out I think that, I think that's the solution that they're going to go with ultimately, um, and and more so because and why you know just to say why if, if listeners are saying these guys are nuts I can't believe you're still saying have them in the rotation. Who are you putting in instead? <laughs> and, and let's be honest about this, okay? So we think Suarez is going to stay in. I mean, he's he had a nice start on Saturday. He's been pitching better. Okay, so he's your second most reliable guy right now. And I, everybody's going to say, I just say like, because I don't think we're going to spend five minutes on Ranger Suarez. I was very encouraged by what I saw this weekend. Yeah. He too has been a question mark. He's been injured. He's been inconsistent. The fact that he's been able to roll together some quality appearances here yeah. now, I don't feel like we're getting wild card Ranger Suarez. I feel like we're getting like a, I feel pretty good about what he might bring yeah. Ranger Suarez. So, so in, in fairness, to just balance out this conversation a little bit, feeling pretty good about that right now. Yeah. So okay. So that's so that, so that they're moving Lorenz into the pen. It's already been announced. He's your he's going into the bullpen. So now your your option on a third starter comes down to Nola Sanchez and Taiwan Walker. Well, th- there's nothing to like about Taiwan Walker right now. Absolutely <laughs> zero. And nor is there a history. <laughs> in seven innings yesterday. Nor is there a history to suggest that he could be a guy that's going to come in here and and pitch a great game in the postseason, right? So th- so there's nothing there. Sanchez is the guy that everybody wants to see, but let's pump the brakes a little bit on him. I think that there, there's a reason that they're treating him with a little bit of kid gloves. I identified this in a story last week. If you look at um, his his changeup and how great it is, like mm-hmm. it's it's lights out, it's other, it's you know out of this world. But against his sinker, opponents are hitting 296 with an OPS pushing 900 against the sinker. So really he's a one pitch guy that's successful and you can be you could be an adequate starter in the major league level with that, with that sinker changeup approach. 
but if it's if you're going into a playoff series against the best offense in in the sport, and I know he pitched well against them, he did give up four runs. Let's keep this in mind. It was a good start, ten strikeouts, longest of his career. But do you want to do you want a guy with with no track record whose sinker is getting hit at that level against that offense? I don't think that they do. I think that they want to. I think they want to deploy him in what they feel are advantageous situations well, and not force them to face an entire lineup. Let's let's forget about the Braves for a second and focus on that first round. Yeah, but there's six teams that could still be. Right. And and th- this is this thing has gone totally off the rails here. I mean, you have the Diamondbacks sweeping the Cubs. I believe Chicago has now lost five games in a row. Yeah. We're talking about the Cubs being a potential destination where the Phillies have to go to Wrigley. That appears to be over. Um the Cubs this week do have an opportunity, though, and this is one of the things, if we've learned nothing else over the last month, is that when you think one of these teams is diving out of the race, they, they tend to get back into it. And Chicago have an opportunity. Their next six games are at home. They play, uh, I believe, Pittsburgh for three and then Colorado for three. I know they struggled with the Rockies just uh, last week, but they struggled with the Rockies at Coors. It's a different thing. Uh, but then they do have to go on the road for six and play Atlanta and, and Milwaukee. I don't know how motivated either of those teams will be in that, that final week. So I think that that's also worth putting an asterisk on as well, but the Arizona diamondbacks right now are the, the, the team that you feel like the Phillies might end up getting. And we haven't talked about them for, for six weeks. We felt like, Oh, they're done. And, and now here they are again. So the reason why I mention all of this is because you talk about maybe trying to find advantageous situations for Sir Anthony Dominguez. I think it's worth pointing out. That against left-handed pitching this season, the Cubs have the 11th best OPS in all of baseball. Arizona has the 22nd best mm-hmm. OPS against lefties. So, is this a situation where you get into this first round and say, like, you know, maybe, sir, maybe, um, I'm sorry, Christopher Sanchez is isn't the guy that we would want to theoretically put out there, but we know that they struggle against left-handed pitching, and we're willing to stack. Suarez and Sanchez together in a short series against them. Like, do you take that shot? And and I, I think that the answer is probably not going to matter. It's probably going to be independent of opponent, but I do think this is worth looking at. Well, and that's why I think you I think you have that short leash and have him ready to roll. Because I think what you do is you get them putting that lineup out against a right-handed starter. And then if Noel is no good after three innings, now you can go Christopher Sanchez and now you're forcing Tori Lavallo's hand and say, "All right, are you going to keep your all your good lefties in there, or right. you, you know, are you going to are you going to make changes here in the third inning, fourth inning, and then later in the game, I have the matchup advantage with my bullpen against right. your you have and you don't have any more bullets to change, you know, come out of the out of the dugout. So I think that that's really why it makes more sense to have Sanchez as that as that you know Swiss Army knife kind of option um, in the first round." I just think that I just think it makes more sense to do it that way. And I think that that's probably going to be the Phillies approach. Um, I guess the, the other big takeaway from the weekend, I don't really want to spend any more time talking about Taiwan Walker, Anthony. Like I just don't, what else is there to say? I mean, yesterday I think is about the ceiling of what he's going to give you one. He goes seven innings and you know, two, I guess he, he kept his team in the game. I, I just, I don't really have anything else to say about him without. The the only reason he stayed in the game is because they wanted the bullpen to have rest before yeah. the Braves. That yeah. really is. He basically just said, like, if we if we end up losing this game and it gets out of hand, then so be it. You know, right. and to his credit, I guess he, he battled and gave him a shot. And then you go and, and you, you get to Sir Anthony Dominguez and, and you Jordan Walker hits hits the home run and 
like we said, three times in his last five appearances where he's, he's basically killed them. Um, are we at a point now where, and I, and to be fair, I guess, or to note, he did have the two appearances in between the, the Marlins series. He had one against the Braves, one against the Cardinals, where he was pretty good, I guess. You start to feel a little bit better, and then, boom, this happens again. Given the lack of consistency, given the way that it's looked in September, do you only use Sir Anthony Dominguez in situations where you're trailing or holding a multi-run lead in the postseason? Like, are we over Sir Anthony Dominguez holding a tie game in the sixth or later, protecting a one-run lead in the sixth or later? Like, have we finally entered that territory with him? We're, we're, we're near that territory, Bob, and I think it's the only thing I will say as a caveat is, is there are 13 games left where he can get a handful of appearances and if he, over the course of the next handful of appearances, you know, gives you more of what he gave you in against the Braves and the Cardinals and not the Jordan Walker home run, and, and that's the outlier in a, in a span of, say, you know, 10 appearances, that's the one outlier. Well, then maybe you say, okay, we can give, we can give this guy a chance in the playoffs in, in that situation that we kind of anticipated we would use him in. But he's going to have to go out there and, and really nail it down. In, in the rest of the regular season. Otherwise, I think Jeff Hoffman is is the right-handed option for that spot and not Sir Anthony Dominguez. And and I, I mentioned the, the, the qualifier of the inning, like sixth inning or later, because the way that the starting rotation is going right now, there's a very good chance that you could see a guy like Dominguez in the game trying to get key – I don't want to, I'm not going to use the word high leverage, but stressful outs in the fifth inning of a game right now. Like yeah, I have yeah. no idea what, what this rotation will, will give. Um, so I, I guess now that we're, we're through this weekend, they, they get the Atlanta Braves again. And I, ahead of the series at citizens bank Park, said like, you can learn something about the Phillies this week. I think mm-hmm. it'll be telling in a way. I don't feel like that in front of this series. And that doesn't mean that I, I don't think that they might have some issues doesn't mean that I don't think the Braves will win the series. I, I'm not really quite sure what to expect. I watched the Braves this weekend look like they had a weekend hangover against the Marlins, let the Marlins back into this. Miami completes a sweep in which they outscore the Braves 36 to 13. So I think the big question is, I know that the Braves are better than the Phillies, but do the Braves give a shit? Are, the, are, are we even going to see like an, an interested or motivated Atlanta team? And, and I guess – they probably want to stomp on the Phillies anytime they play them. I think that there's a real rivalry brewing here. I think there's actually some animosity that is starting to kind of be bred between these two teams. So I think that the Phillies will have the Braves' attention this week. But I I do wonder, like, if the Phillies beat up on the Braves for three games in Atlanta, I'm not going to sit here on Thursday morning and say, like, ooh, they sent a message to Atlanta, like, Atlanta's not playing anymore, and and they the Phillies better win this series. I think is the way that I'm looking at it. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I, I think the only thing that can be telling from this series, Bob, is if the Phillies get bounced pretty badly by Atlanta. Yeah, then they, the, there's then no upside for the Phillies in yes, this series. Yes, you know? exactly. Yeah, yeah, there's only a negative, right? Um, and, and I want to get to something with the Braves for one last thing. So we, I promise we're going to circle back to talking about Atlanta because I, they're going to fit into my one last thing. But the one thing that that is of interest that you did bring up to me is, you know, the Braves kind of had a hangover weekend. They have 13 games left that mean absolutely zero. Well, I shouldn't say absolutely zero, but they don't have a lot, you know, going for them as well. 
you know, that's that's the thing that you you wonder when you have the Braves locking up the division on September 13th and then not having to play a meaningful game again until October the 7th. And do they just ramp it back up? Like that's that's what I you know I mean that's a that's something that's we're the only gonna... question left for the yeah. Braves to answer. Yeah. I mean that is the question to answer because if the Braves play their A game or their B game, yeah. they're going to the World Series. Like they are. Now, can the Phillies can the Phillies catch the Braves off off balance, uh, just not ready to go, having not revved it back up? Maybe could the Brewers just for for a few games just have lights out pitching and 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 maybe derail the, the Braves? Maybe, but it's to me to me it's 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 really weird as the Phillies have, have tightened their grip on this top wild card spot and they haven't had a September collapse here. Like, don't don't get me wrong, like the Phillies have not been great in September, but this isn't like they're in some downward spiral where. Where like last year we were like this team is in deep trouble like they might blow it like there's none of that going on with this team, but as the Phillies have sort of like solidified things, I can't help but feel like that that I'm like I personally feel like this month I'm I'm having a harder time talking myself into that Braves upset again I I, I do feel that way. Oh. We'll see because I again I don't want to get into this. I, I got, I'm saving this for one last thing. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to lose I know. It. All right, and that's fine because you're going to probably give me some stat about hundred plus win teams and how nope. they choke. And, nope, and, nothing like that. Nothing like dude, that. Like it's, you're so fucking annoying. Like because I'm watching you, <laughs> I'm watching you like for the last two months as we do this on YouTube, and like every time the Braves come up, you're like, yeah, they're really good, but you have this like little grin, like this like little like. Like you know something everybody else doesn't know. That, no, like it's not that you definitely are you definitely have a wait and see thing going on with the Braves. Like not even a wait and see, like a you'll see. Like and, and I could just see this podcast now. It's gonna be like October whatever the hell, eleventh, and you're gonna be like, I told you. Like you just have that about you. It's just quality. Like I don't even know if you know you're doing it, but you're I maybe may, look I I have a different take on on teams for postseason than I do for regular season. I just do in general. I think that it, it it doesn't matter to me what you did in the regular season. If you're in the playoffs, I respect your team a lot because you're there, you got there. But I also think that it changes the dynamics of the sport change. And the question is, who's the most adaptable team? And from year to year, it changes. From year to year, it's different. And like, I, I'm not, I don't think I'm somebody who's going to crow about anything. I mean, like, you know, Bob, let's go back to last year when I told you right after the All Star break, I believe it was on our uh, one of the podcasts. It was either the first or second one after the All Star break, where I said this Philly team is going to reach the NLCS. <laughs> right, right. I'll overtake at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and and I and I said it then, and then of course I meant the World Series. I went even further than I thought. Um, you know, and I didn't I didn't grow about it, but the fact is, is that there are things that you see and you just say, there's something about that that makes me think that that, that there's a an inherent intangible advantage for one team over another. And I think in in baseball more than any other sport, intangibles matter. And so like. 
you know, I watched. I, don't I watched, disagree with you. I, I watched I, the I, Braves play, and they're a great team. There's just something about them that when you punch them back, I'm not certain, and 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 the pressure is really, really on. I'm not certain how they respond. That's all. That's that's fair. Yeah. Um, is there any world? I guess this is a good opportunity to to ask this. It was on my. It was on my list. Is there any world where the Phillies just don't get to the Braves? God, you're now you hit my one last thing. <laughs> Am I just? Well, no. Is it? Is there a world where the Phillies don't reach them? Yeah, well, yeah. There is a world where that happens. Okay, so I, I'm just yeah. going to give you a quick uh, temperature check on each of these teams because we haven't done this in a while. Like, yeah, I think go we, ahead. We started talking about matchups and who do you want, and we were yeah. doing that in the middle of August, and then all of a sudden I was like, right, <laughs> we better stop talking about this because this is getting a little weird here. Yeah. But now that we're back to like, they're probably making the playoffs. Um. Let's just go through it. Uh, I'll kind of work in, in reverse. Uh, the San Francisco Giants, 1 to 10, level of concern. Zero. 10 being the greatest concern. <laughs> Zero. Zero. Yeah, does, is there anything about the Giants of late that make you think that, they're, that they can win two games in, out of three in Philadelphia? Yeah, were, the offense was clicking yesterday. They beat the Rockies 11 to 10. It was. Uh, yeah, wild. and the Bulls almost blew it again. They were yeah. at what, 9 nothing in that game? I know. <laughs> Uh, okay, and I, I'm with you. I, I would say one to two, maybe, but uh, the Cincinnati Reds have sort of like I thought the Reds were done, and now I'm looking at this and I'm like, Jesus, they're right there again. Like, re- level of concern with the Reds three, maybe, and only because I say I give them the three because I look at a team that sometimes when you're that young and that inexperienced, you don't know you don't belong, right? But they don't belong, okay? They, they don't have the talent of the complete, they have a lot of nice players uh, I, I like you know uh, obviously i like the kids that they have there um getting mclean back he's he was having a great year before his injuries coming off injured list now you know steers had a nice season i mean dela cruz has kind of taken a step back after his red hot start but you saw the, the talent level that kid has um so i mean there's some there's some real nice players there and i think that they're fun but they don't belong okay uh the miami marlins that's the team that if that is concerning me right now, um, I would put them a little bit higher. I would say that their level of the level of concern with the Marlins is probably six. I would bet on the Marlins to beat the Phillies in a three game playoff series. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd go that far, I, but I think that they're the one that's the most. Feel. It's just the, a feel like I, we we'll preview if that's the yeah. matchup. We'll do a preview. We'll go down matchup by matchup. I'll say, yeah, Phillies should win this series. It's just a you talk about like an intangible or they're the most concerning. They're the most concerning. Yeah, Yeah, of of all the teams that they could play in the first round, that's the team that is the most concerning. And again, it's more because of familiarity. I mean, they've they've done a good job against the Phillies this season. You play them a lot. You you have a real understanding of who they are. Oh, and the Marlins have decent pitching. You know how I see that decent pitching. I see I see two one run wins for the Marlins and and an eight one win for the Phillies mixed in where you go they outscored them by five runs over six runs over three games and they lost like yeah I just I just feel it um uh the Diamondbacks then I guess yeah. is the other one yeah four I mean again the Diamondbacks have a nice little lineup but that you know Gallon's had a nice season Kelly's okay but beyond those two starters there's zero pitching on that team 
And then what about the Cubs, who have just been a mess here? Yeah, I, no, I, I, I was never really worried about the Cubs, in all honesty. I, I thought that they were the most balanced team, like a little bit of offense and a little bit of pitching. Um, so that would, that made them a, an interesting opponent, but I, I don't think that they're good enough. I think that they're a, probably a year away, and, and the question will be what they do with their, you know, can they bring back a Bellinger? Can they, you know? Who knows what that situation is going to be, right? Um, I, I just I, I think Justin Steele's excellent, and and he's a concern because he's lefty, and the Phillies struggle against lefties. But that's only one game, right? Um, the other two games, who's starting for the Cubs? Yeah, Jameson Tyon. Yeah, like Phillies smoked him twice this year. You know, Kyle Hendricks. Like Hendricks. Are we, I mean, I know he's had a, I know he's had a bounce back season, but yeah, like. I mean, who's like, who are you worried about on the Cubs? Just like, so, like, I think it's a good matchup for the Phillies. It's it's funny. There's no opponent that the Phillies could see in that first round that I would worry about. I worry about the Phillies. Like, when you play, when you play the Dodgers, you worry about, uh, you know, Freeman and Betts. When you play the Braves, you worry about one through nine. Uh, there, There are things that you should have anxiety about. These teams, I, I say, like, I'm willing to, uh, acknowledge the scrappiness or the the potential to maybe get you in a short series, but it's more about the Phillies and less about the opponent in that three game setup. So yeah, I think you and I sort of view this in a similar fashion as as we kind of near the finish line here. I, I don't know if you happen to uh, see Saturday night's game. Uh, we don't really talk about the broadcast that much, but uh, did you catch the the exchange between Kruk and and Scott Fransky uh, and the and the arch. Did you happen to, to get that? And well, I've, I've seen it since, but I did not, I was not watching live on Saturday night. Um, had another, another uh, conflict, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I did see it after the fact. It was, it was like one of those moments. And, th- and this is nothing against Tom McCarthy, who I actually think does a really good job. You know, if, if I'm being honest, like when, when Harry left in, I guess, what was it? Oh, nine. Did, did mm-hmm. Harry pass away? So, you know, Tom was was already a part of the broadcast at that point. But one of the things that he had to deal with was was that he wasn't Harry Callis. And I think as a as a kid, you know, as a college kid and just out of college, like listening to those broadcasts, I was always kind of like, you know, he's all right, I guess. But there's a lot of talk about food and a lot of talk about things that don't really matter when it's a six five game and there's two runners on and like that stuff used to really get to me and I feel like that over time and that wasn't necessarily Tom's fault either I just think it was more like the nature of the broadcast and I know that there's still some of that on on the broadcast all this is a long-winded way of saying that I actually have come to really like the job that Tom does like I Mm -hmm. I think he's a really good broadcaster it's interesting to me though when you when you saw Fransky on TV like I don't know if you had any thoughts you said you didn't see the game live I know he's done a few games lately live on TV because Tom's doing the NFL on the weekends He's really good, and he, he's able to develop the chemistry that you would expect it would take a year or two with some of these guys to really develop. And listening to him and Kruk the other night, I, I thought was was really was really good. And that was like an all time moment. You know, the if he hits a home run, I'll go to the arch, and then Schwarber like this next pitch cranks the home run over the right field wall, and you could hear Fransky like holding back like the the laughter in his voice, like the restraint. Um. Isn't it kind of crazy though? Like I, I, I feel like that this city is very blessed to have like the the crew that they do. And and listen, 
I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest with you. Like I think Tom's really good. And I actually think Tom has to do some heavy lifting sometimes on the broadcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, take that for whatever you want to take it for. You look at some of the analysts, some of the post-game stuff. I do not think that that is very good. But when it just comes to play-by-play, I think you're very lucky with Scott Fransky. I think you're very lucky with Kruk, even though sometimes you're like, John, you played, you've been an analyst for 20 years. How do you not know that? But like that's almost part of his charm. I think the you're very fortunate as a fan to, to get that group of broadcasters overall. I, I that's that was kind of like one of the things I, I wanted to hit on. I'm, I'm I don't know where you're at on that, but I was having a discussion about this with um, some family on uh, over the weekend, and there was a, there was a discussion to say Scott Fransky might be even better than Harry was at the end. Wow. Uh, okay. At the okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you're not going to. Yeah. Be, I, I can't, can't get a lot can't of... put him above Harry, the full body of work. Yeah. But that where I mean, even when Harry was, you know, Harry was great at the end, and Fransky is better than that, right? And so yeah. that's just a, that's what it's it's such a high compliment. Like he is in that upper echelon of play-by-play broadcasters anywhere that I've heard for the sport of baseball. I think he's as good as it gets. I almost wonder yeah. why there's not more of like a national exposure with him. Like, so what you're seeing with Tom and like, I, I think I said this, like, I want to make sure I said this correctly. Like I think Tom does a really good job. He, so yeah, like, he's I, excellent. Yeah. I, I do not want to in any way, shape or form, like even turn this into like Tom versus Scott. That's, it's that's not. not really what I'm doing here. Uh, and, and another thing I'll say is that I actually think, this this almost sound like a criticism and i don't mean it this way i think i've privately said this to you before i think tom does a better job on basketball and football than he does on the phillies broadcast like i actually like when you look at listen to the play-by-play guys on a national mm-hmm. stage i think that tom stacks up very favorably like on an nfl sunday he used to do the westwood one stuff on the radio now he's doing a lot more tv i think tom's about as good as they have at cbs yeah, I'm surprised, however, that Scott doesn't have that that same national Appeal. trajectory. And is yeah. that because he doesn't want it? I think so. It, because even if you go back to like Scott Graham, like he's done a lot of work with NFL films. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel like you have this guy sitting 15 minutes away from Mount Laurel where NFL films is at. Like, where the hell is Scott Fransky on the NFL in some capacity? It's it's yeah, it's strange to me. I mean, I think it is. I think it's something that his. I think it's his own choice. I really do. I mean, I, I think that he's so well respected, and everybody likes. I, I've never heard anyone say anything negative about him, as a person, as a broadcaster, anything. Everything that we hear is positive. And you know, the interesting thing is, I asked him about this when he filled in for Tom earlier this season. I think Tom had to go to a, I think it was a graduation. One of his kids graduated. I, I think it was, and Scott filled in, and I said to him, I said. Um, and then also this was so he was did, did the TV and then I also talked to him at the same time about the fact that when the Phillies are on Apple Plus, you can switch yeah. over and get the radio feed. And I so I said to him, I said, are you ever cognizant of doing things differently when you're doing television or know you're on know that your feed can be heard through television um, versus just when you're on the radio? Because it is different. Like radio, you have to describe things more because it's not it's auditory. It's not visual. Whereas on TV, you know, you can see what's going on and, and you, you got to be a different kind of play. And he said, no, he said the sport lends itself to what it is. He said people will 
people will enjoy a, a, the play-by-play no matter how it's done either way. You just got to be sure that you're you're not doing too much. He says the danger in, in broadcasting is is talking too much. And so that's so it was brilliant. So like he he's comfortable doing either. I think he should do more. I wish he would do more um because he is he is that good. Yeah. And and I love Tom too. I think Tom is I think I think you're right. I think if when Tom's with Cruck, it's excellent. It's fun. It's good broadcast. It, it's very, it's got a, a low key Harry Whitey kind of feel yeah. to it. Right. I, I do agree that it, he doesn't have that same chemistry with the other options. Um, and I don't dislike Ruben. I like Ruben. I'm not a fan of Ben Davis. I'm not a fan of, of Mike Schmidt when he's on the Sunday cast. I think that kind of throws things off a little bit too. Um, but I think Tom holds it together. So he's the, the, the thing that always gets me. And I, I, I pretty much am in alignment with you on that assessment. I, I know it's 162. I know fans get very frustrated. Like I said, it's an important situation. We're talking about the whatever fucking sandwich they're featuring at the broadcast <laughs> like, or at the ballpark that week. Yeah, like cool. yeah. I know that that gets to people. The pushback on that is it's a very long year. You cannot do every game like, you know, you have a thousand dollars on it. Like it's a game seven. There has to be a little bit of a, a little bit of break. You know, it's, it's like, have you watched the bear? Have you yeah, I love the bear. You know, but when you watch the bear, you turn it on and like it's 37 minutes of just like anxiety. Yeah. Like, you can't do an entire baseball broadcast like that. Yeah. So I get it. But sometimes I do, you know, I go, oh, my God, like with this. But I don't really think that's necessarily about the booth so much as it is about the vision of the broadcast. And I think maybe the team and some of the marketing has a little bit of an influence on that as well is, yeah. is my is my assumption there. All right. Well, I know we're, we're uh, running Up out against of, it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I know we're running out of time here. So let's uh, hit the one last thing. So you asked the question, Bob, is there a world where the Phillies don't run into the Braves? And I think that the way you asked the question was more about the Phillies potentially losing the wild card. What if I said to you that the Phillies may not run into the Braves because they may not have to play them in the division series? Okay. The Dodgers are now four and a half games behind the Braves. I know four and a half is tough to make up in 13 games. But let's consider what the two teams are playing. Braves have three against the Phillies team that wants to lock up a playoff spot. Okay. And they're doing this without, I mean, Acuna is not playing right now. I, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be back for the Phillies series. I don't know what the haven't really announced what's going to happen there. Right. But the, the, the Braves look like they've mailed, they mailed it in after they clinched the division again, especially against the Marlins. Be interesting to see how they respond. They then have to play the nationals in Washington for four games. What do you think that kind of, atmosphere is going to be like big energy down in dc an electric crowd then they come home and they have the cubs for three obviously the cub we talked about the cubs and how big those games are gonna be for the cubs and they finish up with three at home against washington okay so they're at least you're back home and and if the dodgers close the gap then those games will matter and then the braves will probably play like the braves and, and potentially pull away um but i do see that there is a possible stumbling block for atlanta and then when you look at what the dodgers have left uh, on their schedule, the Dodgers are playing the Tigers at home for three, the Giants at home for four, and they could basically just say, see you later, San Francisco. And then they finish out on the road four in Colorado and three in San Francisco. 
the Dodgers can I actually. Will, I will put that at about a ten percent chance of happening. But it can. They, you can see it, right? Let's say the Phillies go out, go into Atlanta this week. If the Phillies go down to Atlanta and sweep the Braves, which I'm not predicting by any stretch, but if they do it, then yeah, like on Friday, I could entertain this conversation with you. <laughs> if, it, if it's down to if it's down to two games come Friday and there's ten left, okay. Let's let's uh, let them. We'll table it, but just but just when we since we're tabling it, let's just remember when I brought it up to you. That's all. Let's we can table it till Friday, and yeah. let's just remember when I brought it up to you because I it's looked an at interesting it. Thought. I'll tell you what though. Tonight, looking at it, Phillies were actually an underdog this morning when I first peeked at the odds, and they're now favored. Zach Wheeler versus Kyle Wright, and uh, I guess a lot of people are just banking on the fact that Zach Wheeler is not going to have two blow up starts against the Braves in the matter of seven days, and. Kyle Wright wasn't exactly sharp last time out. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see. We'll see what happens here. But, yeah, Phillies get let's, let's, say, let's say the Phillies win tonight and the Dodgers win tonight. It's down to three and a half. Yeah. I mean, we're, you're, you're, I'm saying you're getting there, yeah. right? And Dodgers have an extra game left. Anyway, so that, there's three that. Or less. Get me to three or less by this weekend, and I'll I'll entertain that thought. All right. Just, I'm just throwing that out there. We've not talked. We've I, I know talked. there's not a lot of energy in Washington right now. And they were playing like some spirited baseball for a while. Like they yeah. suck and they yeah. suck. Again, so we'll yeah. see. But I'm just All saying right. it's just, it was there. And I got one, right. one, one more, one more for you. All right. And this is an even longer long shot, <laughs> but there's a team left that plays. This is the remaining schedule. Three against the Rockies, three against the Cardinals, three against the Giants, three against the White Sox. Do they play in San Diego? I'm out. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. No. There's no world where they could sneak in at 84 wins or 83 wins and get that last spot. There are a bunch of there are a bunch of dogs, those guys, man. <laughs> like that team has no heart. They they just they played. I don't play anybody though. They play a bunch of nobodies. I don't care. I, I, it's like they're like Freddie. If they, if we're talking about the Padres having a shot this time next week, that's like the ultimate, like Michael Myers, like Freddie Krueger. Like they've won on, five dude. out of six. <laughs> yeah. They stink. All right. So. All right. Real quick. Real quick. We don't yeah. need to do the plugs because I already did those. Who are the Phillies playing in the first round? Arizona. Arizona. Okay. All right. All right. Three game series, Phillies and the Atlanta Braves wild card fever. Everybody catch it uh, for Anthony Sanfilippo and Bob Wankel. Check us out on uh, Spotify, Apple podcasts, YouTube, anywhere that you get your shows, follow us on Twitter, all that good stuff. And we will talk to you on Friday morning.